0: Welcome. My name is Dr. Jonathan Vorce and thank you for downloading our podcast today on Working the Word. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive new podcasts every week. Thank you for your support at jvorce.org and enjoy the message today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. That's our scripture today. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word today. Touch us as we study your word. Touch the ears of the hearers and and their hearts to receive and my mouth to be able to speak your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. We're talking about living in Christ today. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to talk with an individual who was of Jewish descent. They were a Jew. We were talking on the phone. They were trying to do a ministry in Bulgaria. Him and another one of his friends were were doing a ministry in Bulgaria. They contacted me, and um, for about 30 minutes, I talked with him on the phone because they were interested in doing a satellite Bible college, one of our extension campuses for Covenant Bible College and Seminary in Bulgaria. Nikki was with me. We were traveling. We were on our way to pick up Bishop Johnson from the airport in Orlando. And we were traveling, and Nikki kept looking at me, and I was looking at her, and this guy was talking. And, and uh, so as we went along in the conversation, about five or ten minutes into the conversation, he made this statement. He said, well, I'm really not a Christian. I'm a, uh, I'm a Jew. And um, I said, well, I know you're of Jewish descent. He said, yeah, but I'm not a Christian. I said, you don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He said, I'm a Jew. That, that was his answer. And then about five minutes later, he said, I'm not really a practicing Jew. I just was raised by Jewish parents, and you know, I came to America for my uh, education and whatnot. And as time went on, we began to find out, first of all, that uh, he wasn't a Christian, and secondly, that uh, his reasons for starting a Bible college were the wrong reasons and whatnot. So as soon as we got through... Um, I uh, looked over at Nikki and she looked at me and she said, that guy was starting to get on my nerves. And I said, yeah. I said, you know, there's all kinds of people in the world and we just pray for him and whatnot. But then later that day, I sent him a little note and I told him, I said, we're not going to be able to uh, authorize you to start an extension campus for Covenant Bible College and Seminary in Bulgaria because you're not a Christian. And I said, how can a non-Christian lead a Christian college? I said, that's just not, the Bible said to not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And, and, um, and so he kind of slapped back just a little bit with his words and whatnot. And so I just, uh, I just told him, I said, listen, I said, until you have the revelation of Jesus in you and the revelation of Jesus inside of you, it is impossible for you to teach the truths of Scripture to someone else. Because you cannot get through reason what you can only obtain through revelation. So the revelation of Jesus Christ has to be alive inside of you. And so, you know, uh, as time went on and everything, he decided he wasn't going to be my friend anymore and things like that. But that's okay. I didn't care too much about that. I mean, I'm going to pray for him and ask that the Lord helps him. Because I really do think he's a good person. And he, I, I really do uh, believe that Jesus can save him. So... But the Bible says this. It says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. When we give our life to Jesus, then we enter the family of God. We become, we are in Christ. We are in Christ. We are in Christ the Messiah. The Bible says here, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So that means that Your old sins can't attach to you anymore. That's why the Bible says, now listen, that when Jesus forgives you of your sins, that he remembers them against you no more. The reason he remembers them against you no more is because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus and when those sins come back to try to reattach to the old you, they find out that the old you is dead. There's nothing left for them to attach to. And so Jesus doesn't remember those sins against you no more because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Another reason that Jesus doesn't remember those sins against you anymore is because He recognizes the power of the blood that was shed on Calvary. He realizes that when that blood is applied, it washes, it cleanses, it makes brand new. He realizes that and he recognizes that. And so because of that, he says, you're a new creature in Christ. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, I'm new, 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 brand new. Brand new. Brand new. Brand new, brand new, brand new and shiny. Brand shiny new. Shiny new, brand new. Yeah, we're new in Christ, aren't we? We're a new creature in Christ. Christ Jesus. So that's what the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Another thing about being in Christ, the Bible teaches us that we become part of the family of God so we're in the family of God. If you're a Christian, I want you to look at a man close to you and say, hey, bro. Come on, look up. Say, hey, bro. That's right. They're your brother in Christ. You're in Christ. They're in Christ. You're in the family of God. Okay? Now I want you guys and some of you others just to look at another woman and say, "Hey sis, what up?" <laughs> now just look at everybody and say, "You're your family. You're my family. Tell them say, "You're my family." You're my yeah, you're my homies. Yeah, you're my homies. You're my family. <laughs> that's what that means. The Bible says if we're in Christ, then we're part of the family of God. And we'll talk about that more in just a few moments. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look, somebody say, that's me. That's me. I mean, that's me. That's me. All of us have. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says this, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption, that is, In Christ Jesus. So once again, we're talking about being in Christ again, aren't we? There is redemption in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to be redeemed? When we say we're redeemed, what does it mean? Well, the word redemption means to go get something by paying a price, to purchase something by paying a price. If you buy something uh, uh, in Facebook Marketplace, and you pay for it online, or eBay, and you pay for it online, and you go pick it up, you don't have to pay for it again. You're going to redeem what you already purchased. You're going to take it as your own. It's yours because you purchased it. Let me tell you something. The currency of heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ. And when he put that blood on you, he redeemed you. He redeemed you from sin. He redeemed you from sickness. He redeemed you from sorrow. He redeemed you from spiritual death. He redeemed you from these things. And so now I'm redeemed because I'm in Christ. I've given my life to Jesus and I'm redeemed because I'm in Christ purchased by the blood of Jesus. So the next time somebody looks at me and says, well, just who do you think you are? Say, ah, that's easy. I'm God's property. I belong to God. I'm God's property. Come on, say, I'm God's property. I'm God's property. God's property. I'm God's property. You're God's property. We're God's property. We belong to God. You think that that, that Jesus is going to continue letting the devil mess with his property? Well, the only way he can is if, if, if we allow it. That's, right. That's the only way that we can. So, uh, so we, we, uh, we're God's property because we've been redeemed. We've been purchased. Jesus came and got us. All right? He came and got us. He paid for us, and, and then he came and got us. So now we go to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. Romans 8 and verse number 1. The Bible said there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Let's do verse 2. Also, for the spirit of life for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, let's start right here in verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are what? In, in. somebody shout in. in. We're in Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I'm in the family of God. I'm hid with Christ in God. I've given my life to Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And I am in Christ Jesus, which is the family name. I'm in that family. I'm in that family. Spiritually speaking, I am in that family. Therefore, there's no room for condemnation. The enemy will use guilt and the enemy will use condemnation and the enemy will use things to try to beat you down, to try to badger you, to try to pull you down. He'll try to use past experiences. He'll try to use present experiences and he'll try to use experiences that look imminent, things that are getting ready to happen in your life. And he'll try to beat you down and he'll try to pull you down. But you just need to let him know, now listen, condemnation is not in my DNA. I'm in the family of God. I belong to God. There is no, therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the key. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you're feeling condemnation, it's because you've given place to your flesh. The flesh, listen to me. The flesh is the only thing that can sense and identify condemnation your spirit don't, don't identify and your spirit does not feel condemnation it's your flesh that feels condemnation The Bible said we're not to walk after the flesh. We're supposed to walk after the Spirit. So if I walk after the Spirit, the sins that I committed before I gave my life to Christ, the sins that I committed yesterday that are under the blood, they have no power to condemn me. They have no power to overcome me. The Bible said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. The only way that sin can reign in your mortal body is if you give place to the condemnation of sin. So the enemy will condemn you the enemy will try to make you live in guilt but you say I'm not walking after the flesh I'm walking after the spirit now now the next verse says for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus somebody say in Christ Jesus talking about, talk about living in Christ for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free Amen. from the law of sin and death. So if, I, if I'm in Christ, I have life. If I'm not in Christ, I have death. I have to choose. I have to make that choice. And so I choose to live. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't just come for to give you the power to barely put one foot in front of the other every day. He said, I've come that you might have abundant life. I've come that you might have stupendous life. I've come that you might have favor-filled life. I've come that you might have spiritual life. I've come that you would have life more abundantly. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. How is that possible? Because when Jesus died on Calvary, he conquered death. That's why. When he died on Calvary, he conquered death. So therefore, if I live in Christ, then I have life living inside of me. Romans 8 and verse number 39. There's so so many powerful scriptures here. Um, Let's start in verse number 35. The Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we're killed all the day long. So, if I'm living in Christ Jesus because I've given my life to Jesus, if I'm living in Christ Jesus, there's absolutely nothing that the enemy can throw against me to separate me from the love of God. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. The devil will come to you. God don't love you. How can God love you? Look at what you did. Look at what you've been. You know, I mean, yeah, somebody call you at three o'clock in the morning, and, and this and that, and you run out and you go do that, and, and, and God don't love you anymore because you did that because you caved into that. God don't love you anymore. Wait a minute now. Hold it, hold it, hold it. You slimy lop-eared snaggled toothed split-toed devil. I ain't listening to you. No, 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 no. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ, I've been washed, I've been cleansed, I've been purified, I've been made clean. I'm living under the power of God, I'm living under the grace of God. The grace of God is inside of me. The power of God is inside of me, the love of God is inside of me and nothing shall by any means be able to separate me from, now listen to this, from the love of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't mess up. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. Let me tell you something. God loves you whether you're sparkly clean or nasty dirty. God loves you. Red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in His sight. Remember that song we used to sing? We are. God loves every single one of us. And there's absolutely nothing, nor height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. None of it will be able to separate me because I am in Christ Jesus my Lord, I'm hid with Christ in God. Now, let's uh, go on over to Romans chapter 12 and verse number 5. Woo, this is fun, isn't it? Romans chapter 12 and verse number 5. The Bible says, We're all mem- many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, verse 5, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. We are one body In Christ every the Bible said everyone members one of another the enemy would love to isolate you in fact his his job and one of his methods is if I can isolate them if I can cut them off from the pack then I'll be able to destroy them isolate isolate them and then destroy them and that spirit of isolation is something that the enemy uses You were not created to do life alone. The Lone Ranger is a fairy tale, folks. However that goes. The Lone Ranger is a fairy tale. You weren't created to do life alone. Well, I don't need anybody. Bless God, I don't need anybody. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Every single one of us need each other. The Bible said that we are in Christ. We're in the body of Christ. Another place the Bible said that every single joint supplies one another. The Bible said that we are members one another. We're members. Listen, we need each other. We do. We need each other. Okay, I'm going to pass on that. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 12. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? You say. Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. There was all kinds of chaos going on in that church. He was writing to the Corinthian church and what he was saying was, we're all part of Christ. Well, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. We're all part of Christ. Was Paul baptized of you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? You know, was Apollos the one that saved you? Did he save you? Was Cephas the one that died on Calvary for you? No, this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is meant to unite us under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can't say, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. We're all one in Christ. We're all of Christ. We all have our jobs. The Bible said, Paul planted a Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. We all have our jobs to do. Sometimes... Sometimes we're the ones that break up the fallow ground. Sometimes we're the ones that come along and plant the seeds. Sometimes we're the ones that water the seeds. Sometimes we're the ones that weed the field. Sometimes we're the one that God designates to gather in the harvest. I've learned a long time ago, if the Lord allows me or when the Lord allows me to win people to Jesus Christ, most of the time it's because I've entered into the labors of other people and it has come to the point where that fruit is now ripe for the picking. How many of you ever had a garden? Okay, you plant green beans. You go out there in three weeks with a basket and you're ready to pick your mess of green beans. You're not going to find any green beans in three weeks. There's going to be some work that goes into that, right? You know, there's going to be a little sun. There's going to be some stars and some moon. There's going to be some water. There's going to be some weeding. There's going to be some breaking up the fallow ground so the oxygen can get to the root system and all that. But there'll come a day when you can go out there and you can pick yourself a big mess of green beans and take them in and let mama snap them and cook them for you. That's how we do it in my house. I mean, you can do that. All right? Well, so many people, they give their life to Jesus, and they think that in a week that they're going to start reaping harvest. Listen, Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. Living for Jesus Christ is a process. You give your life to Christ, it doesn't cost you anything. Jesus paid the price for your sins. But discipleship will cost you something. Discipleship is being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And being a disciple is learning the ways of Jesus. And... And uh, adapting the ways of Jesus to our heart And adapting the ways of Jesus to our life And there are times as we grow in God That we have to grow up The Bible says we've got to grow up into Him And there are different stages of spiritual growth The Bible says in Peter that newborn babies Desire the sincere milk of the Word That they grow thereby But what would happen to Gracie K, My second little granddaughter Who is now seven months old What would happen to Gracie K If they still just had her on nothing but milk? What if three years down the road all she was doing was still drinking milk? What about seven or eight years down the road? Could she survive on just milk? She couldn't. There's a lot of anemic, weak Christians out there today who are surviving, trying to survive on nothing but the milk of the word. And then they grow into a place of spiritual adolescence. Spiritual adolescence is more difficult than taking care of a baby. When your kids hit adolescence, oh dear God, help us. Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to kill that kid. I mean, that's adolescence. Adolescence is a difficult time in in, in a child's life. And and let me tell you something, some of you young parents. Adolescence is just as hard on the kid as it is on you. We were at Bush Gardens yesterday. Oh dear God! These two girls had better. Thank God I wasn't their dad. Oh Lord! We were sitting there and we were waiting for Johnson and Mark Bishop Johnson and Mark to come back from riding cheetah hunt. And uh, and we were sitting there and he he said he'd seen like ice skating uh, on TV, but he'd never seen it. So they got that little 30-minute ice skating thing. So we're sitting there waiting for that and all of that. And we sat down over in the shade, because it was hot, hot, hot. So we sat down in the shade, waiting on them, and there was one girl sitting over here. She must have been about 10 or 12 years old. Another one sitting over here that might have been like 11 or 13. I don't know. They were both around that age. And their mother came and stood like in front of me and Donna. And she turned and she looked at them girls. And both of them were on their phone. And both of them had this nasty look on their face. And she said, y'all need to come on. We've got." And one of them looked at her and said, no. I mean like that. I mean like... I'm like, oh Jesus, Lord. You know, have you ever seen Medea? <laughs> you know, Holy Ghost male Medea was coming up and said, Hold me back, Jesus. She said, no. And she said, you've got to get off of your phone. Come on. Me. Why don't you just shut up and leave me alone? Oh my God. Oh. I'm like, hold me back. do hold me back. And, and so then, uh, then the one over here, and that was the one over there. So the one over here, we're sitting right here in the middle. We're the only two. Her mother, Their mother's standing in front of us. I think it was her mother. And she said, you're going to listen to me. I'm the adult. And they looked at her just as plain as day as I don't care if you're the adult or not. We don't have to do what you say. I'm telling you, oh, my goodness. And I turned and I looked at them like this. And I went around and I looked at that other one like that. And they got up. And they started to walk away. And they got about 20 paces away. And that little girl turned around and she pointed her little bony finger at her mama. And she just just cussed and all kinds of stuff at her mother in front of God and everybody. I turned and I looked at Donna and I said, first of all, they wouldn't have their phones for the next 30 years. I said, and secondly, we would be going home right now. There would be no more bush Gardens for those girls. I didn't hear it, but evidently it was good. Yeah, you'd have been going to jail. You probably would have, John. I've met Christians who act just like that spiritually. I don't get things my way. I'm out of here. Who do you think you are? And they talk to their spiritual leaders like that. And they talk about their spiritual leaders like that. Listen, we all need each other. We're in Christ. Grow up. You sing that song for 30 years. I'm in the way, the bright and shining. Get out of the way. <laughs> grow up. Get yourself out of the way and, 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 and grow up. We're one body in Christ. Now listen to me. Now the reason I'm saying all of this, and the reason I'm illustrating it like this is if you don't grow and the rest of the body grows around you but you won't grow, what's that going to do? To the rest of the body. If I had Sophia in here right now, I would use her for an illustration. I would put her little hand in my hand, and I would say, imagine her little hand being my hand. You got this, this big man's body right here and a little tiny hand right there. And the hand just said, you know what? I just don't feel like growing. I don't feel like God wants me to grow. I just don't feel like that's what the Lord wants me to do, bless God. I'm just happy being where I'm at. I'm just happy doing what I want to do. And it stunts its growth. When you allow your spiritual growth to be stunted, you're hurting everyone else around. We are part of the body of Christ. God did not design you to live for Him alone. God did not design you to grow alone. God wants you to grow up in to him. First Corinthians chapter one and verse number twelve says that we're all sanctified in Christ. When we're in Christ, we are sanctified. Sanctified means that we are set apart for a holy purpose. You know what that means? That means that God's plan for us is bigger than anything that we could possibly uh, uh, that we could possibly imagine on our own. You were created by God for his pleasure. You were created by God to be part of the body of Christ, to be part of the family of Christ, to be for for, uh, godly pleasure. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 15. I want to show you something here. This is interesting. We're talking about being in Christ. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, ye have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. So the Bible tells us that we, ha- we can have 10,000 instructors in Christ. They can be good instructors. They can be a theologically correct. They can teach doctrine the right way. They can instruct us, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, cross every T, dot every I, put the punctuation points where they're supposed to be. You get the picture. Great instructors. They can teach us what the Bible says. He said, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, that's still not as good as having a spiritual father who is in Christ. You know the thing that's amazing about every single one of us? Every single person in this place has a dad and a mom. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have a dad or mom. Now, you might not know them. They might not know you. They may have gone on to their just reward etc. You get the picture. But you wouldn't be here if there wasn't a dad and there wasn't a mom. Here's the thing, the beautiful thing about spiritual fatherhood. You can't get rid of your spiritual daddy. Amen. My spiritual father, I call him my spiritual father. He will be here in February to ministry. He's 77 years old now. I can't wait for him to get here. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather now. If I stood up here and I told you that All along the way that my children pleased me every step of the way, I would be telling you the biggest lie this side of hell or heaven. There are times when my children have disappointed me, just as there are times when I have disappointed my parents. I've told my children ever since, and they're all grown up. All of them are grown up. I mean, they don't even have a chance of being a kid anymore. They're getting so old. I mean, they're grown up. But I told them from the time that they were knee-high to a grasshopper, it doesn't matter what you say or what you do, your daddy will always love you, and I'll always be in your corner if you need me. You know what? There are times when they have severely disappointed me. Did I quit loving them? Not a chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. There are times when they turn a deaf ear to my wisdom and my instruction. Did I quit loving them? Not a chance. No. They've made lifelong decisions that they're going to have to live with. Decisions that I probably wouldn't have made. In fact, I know I wouldn't have made. And I wouldn't have made it for them. Do I love them any less? Not a chance. Because I'm their daddy. That's the difference between an instructor instructor and a spiritual father. You know that you're just a person's spiritual instructor that they can leave at any time because they don't get their own way. If you're their spiritual father, they're like a tick on a dog's back. There's nothing you can do to get rid of them. they're, They're attached. That's just it. They're attached. And a spiritual father has more than the responsibility to just instruct you. A spiritual father, and all of us need him, a spiritual father has the right and the responsibility to correct you when necessary. And they also have the right and the responsibility to encourage you when necessary. The relationship is different between an instructor and a spiritual father. Paul said this. He said, I have begotten you in the gospel. There are spiritual sons and spiritual daughters in my life that the Lord has attached to me for many years. Some of them have greatly disappointed me and some of them have greatly blessed me. I love them all. I love them all. And that's the difference between being an instructor... And being a spiritual father. Now, the Bible said the instructors are still in Christ. We need instructors. In the body of Christ, we need instructors. But the Bible says it's more beneficial for us to have a spiritual father who is in Christ and can be an under shepherd to the great shepherd. Now, just four more scriptures, real quick here. Four more scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter one and verse number 21, the Bible says that God establishes us in Christ. And then in second Corinthians chapter two, 14, the Bible says that God causes us to triumph in Christ. That means he causes us to overcome. So he's established us and then he helps us win. Isn't that amazing? If I'm in Christ, he'll establish me. And if I'm in Christ, he'll help me win. Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 14 for the third scripture, the veil of the Old Testament is taken away when we enter into Christ. I, I want you to read that later. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 14. The Bible talks about the law being the veil, but when they come into Christ, then the veil comes down and they see Christ. It's the revelation of who Christ is. This is how you pray for lost people. You pray that God takes the veil away from their eyes so they can see the the, uh, benefits of receiving Christ. Because the law, the Bible says has become our schoolmaster. But if we're still trying to live under the law, then we're living under a taskmaster. And there's a difference between a taskmaster and a schoolmaster. I want to take what the the fulfillment of the law is and use it to teach me how to live better for Jesus Christ. I, I, I want to do that, but I don't want to live under the law. I'm not under the law. You're not under the law. None of us are under the law. We're under grace. Grace is God's ability to do in you and for you what you cannot do in yourself or for yourself. So when you say, God, I just don't know how in the world I'm going to be able to overcome that. Then the the scripture's like, when you are weak, then are you strong in Christ. Scripture's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They rise up inside of you. Scripture's like, no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment, we will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And the righteousness is of me, says the Lord. That raises up in you. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Scriptures like that. If God before you, who can be against you? Those are scriptures that come up in in your spirit because you are triumphing in Christ and the veil has been taken away and you're living under the grace of God. Those are the kind of scriptures that come up inside of you because you're living under the grace of God. Then the last scripture that I want to share with you is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. If you were here in the first service I had put down the wrong scripture. I had put down 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. 13 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number, verse number 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety so your mind should be corrupted. Now listen to this. From the simplicity of that is in Christ. The simplicity that is in Christ. Look at your neighbor right now and say, this is not hard. Living for Jesus is not hard. It's not hard. Allowing God's word to flow through you is not hard. Being part of a family of, of the family of God, that's not hard. It's not hard. Some people say, well, I would live for God, but it's just so hard. I gotta crucify that flesh. Once you crucify that flesh, it's not hard at all. I drink and get drunk as much as I want to. I don't want to. So, I never do. Never have, never will. You know why? Because I'm in Christ. And He's in me. I do as many drugs as I want to. I don't want to do any of them. So, I don't. It's not hard for me to say no to drugs, it's not hard for me to say no to alcohol. It's not hard for me to say no to some of the things of the world, the trappings of the world. You say, Pastor, are you bragging? No, I'm making a point. When you're in Christ, His desires become your desires. His thoughts become your thoughts. His passion becomes your passion. His heart, you're tapped into His heart. And you're connected to the heartbeat of God. The heartbeat of... Listen, there is such a spiritual high in winning somebody to Jesus. I don't know why anyone would cash that in for anything that has to do with the world. You get in the presence of God and let the power of God start rocking and rolling you. Like one of my former spiritual sons used to say, God will jack you up from the floor up. He'd say, I think God's going to jack somebody up today. Some of y'all remember him. Well, where did he get that? He'd been jacked up on drugs and he'd been jacked up on alcohol and he'd been jacked up on the things of this world and then one day God jacked him up and when God jacked him up, all that other jack up went down the road. It hit the road, Jack. And he got addicted to the anointing. He got addicted to the Word of God. got addicted to the things of God. So, living in Christ is not hard. All it requires is commitment. If you really commit, then it's easy. But you have to be committed. You have to be committed to Him. Amen. Amen. Woo! hallelujah. Let's all stand. Thank you for listening to Dr. Jonathan Vorce on Working the Word. We appreciate your love and support. Visit www.jvorce.org to give a gift today. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day. Always remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. Be blessed.